Welcome to Telegraph Local's True Crime Story for Friday. True crime, at its best, is the only way to describe this story. Chicago, Illinois, is no stranger to murder and mayhem. It's known throughout the country as one of the most dangerous cities. Its violent-filled streets can sometimes be seen painted red. Police are slow to respond to the dangerous south and west sides of the city. Children disappear almost on a regular basis. In this riveting true crime tale, we cover the story of five murders, all with similar circumstances, all in close areas. These are the murders of Demetrius Griffin Jr., Teresa Bunn, Kalena Hamilton, Rachel Catledge, and another yet unidentified woman. Do these crimes match? Is this the work of a serial killer dubbed the dumpster killer that you certainly don't want to miss? Let's get into this tale. This tale is very odd because this tale has been investigated by police. The police claim they haven't found a lot of linking evidence. Yet there are so many similarities to these murders that one can't help but start trying to link it together. Telegraph Local has worked hard over the last few months to link these crimes together to see if there actually is a serial killer. You know, FBI statistics say that at any given time, there are more than 50 serial killers loose in the United States. And out of that 50 in your lifetime, you will walk past two, at least two, on the street and never know they're a serial killer. It's statistics like that that make people worrisome. It's scary, and it's something that you have no control over. The only way you would know a serial killer is if a serial killer came for you. So let's get to see at the end of this if you feel this is a serial killer or if you feel that it isn't. A harrowing pattern of dumpster-burning murders have led the citizens of Chicago to question whether a serial killer may be at play in Chicago. These murders involve both male and female victims. Often, gangs were believed to be involved. Yet, as in the cases of Demetrius Griffin Jr., and Teresa Bunn, these crimes were not solved. The Chicago Police and Mayor's Office failed to satisfactorily answer the demands for community justice, and some among the local area where these incidents occurred failed to come forward. To eliminate inaccurate theories, one must exhaust all possibilities. So in truth, is there a serial pattern in Chicago that has the criminal signature of burning the victim or the victim's corpse. Of the similar murder patterns that Telegraph Local observed, there was no signature that indicated these murders were sexually motivated. Police had stated in the case of Teresa Bunn that they did not believe her death was connected to a serial murder based on DNA they had collected. The trouble with that statement is the fact on record that Teresa Bunn was burned beyond recognition when she was discovered. Teresa Bond was a 21-year-old expected mother at the time of her murder. She was found dead on November 12, 2007. She was found badly burned and strangled in a dumpster in Washington Park, Chicago. Teresa Bond was African-American. She had a mental condition that made her family worry when she would go places alone. The Chicago Tribune reported November 16, 2007, that two other women were found within the same week as Teresa Bond murdered in a similar fashion as she had been. Bunn's body was identified through dental records. Her body charred remains were discovered in a garbage bin in the 6100 block of South Prairie Avenue. 
This area is shown to be a rundown area, whereas 2020, there are no residential addresses in the vicinity. Google satellite captures from June of 2019 show that some buildings are missing, though it was unclear for how long. This area has been an area that has appeared on record for repeat homicides over the years. If it was as secluded or as criminally challenged in 2007 as it is now, then it served the perfect scene for the positive victim. The Chicago Tribune also reported at that date that a little more than 24 hours after Bunn was killed, an unidentified woman was found two miles away in the 800 block of East 50th Street. Chicago Tribune stated that an accelerant was found on Bunn's body. There was no accelerant used on the body of the second victim. The second victim was likewise African-American. Bunn was a petite woman. She was five feet tall and weighed 135 pounds. Characteristics that may have made it easier to be captured by a single suspect. The blog that we got this information from also identified a pattern of 51 female strangulations between 2001 and 2007 in Chicago. Of all of these, only 16 were ever closed or solved. The murder of Demetria Griffin. Demetrius Griffin Jr. is 15 years old, the only son of his mother, a mild-mannered and small-framed boy who is on the way to college. Schooling at the Steinmetz College Prep School, as was reported by a story on his life posted to ABC6, Griffin was not affiliated with gangs. Although local gangs had attempted to recruit him, he was also not known to rebel against his curfew. This is why when he went missing on the night of September 16, 2016, his family was immediately alarmed. Homicide Watch and the Laura Ingram Show on Fox News both reported that Griffin Jr. met his end in a trash receptacle. The boy was burned alive in the bottom of a 55-gallon drum in an alley at the 5500 block of West Cortez Avenue in the Austin neighborhood of Chicago. The current White Pages data stated there is currently no known residents or owners of unit number C063 in this exact approximate location, which is also a mere two blocks from where young Mr. Griffin once lived. Was the unit left empty after the grave, so grave celebrity of Griffin Jr.'s murder? Or could an empty residence imply a landing place for criminal activity in the area? It is difficult to say because over the years, there have been no leads in the investigation of the Griffin case. Laura Ingram shared a town hall on September 27, 2019, where the victim's mother, Polly Sykes, was interviewed. The town hall addressed that only one in six murders are actually solved in Chicago as of 2019. This is believed to be the worst homicide investigation clearance rate in the United States. For this reason, one may assume that any speculation from law enforcement regarding the murder of Demetrius Griffith Jr. can be subject to further review. Therefore, it is not entirely impossible that Griffin was murdered by suspects of higher technology, one or more that may have fit the criminal profile of a serial murderer of the murder of Demetrius Griffin Jr. that could be noted to fit the criminal pattern of those others mentioned on the record. Aside from his gender, Griffin was a teenager and African-American. The other victims who were found burned in this fashion were likewise predominantly minorities, although the majority of these victims were female. 
However, there may have been a unique quality of Griffin that could have contributed to etymology. Griffin's aunt, Rochelle Sykes, stated on the Fox News Town Hall in 2018 that he was relatively small for his age, standing at approximately four foot seven and weighing roughly 97 pounds. Griffin's smaller stature may have made him more susceptible to having been overpowered by a single suspect rather than a group. Sykes likewise stated that no one in the community came forward, and so it is not known with total certainty if a group was seen at the site of the 5500 of West Cortez Avenue the night of the boys' murder. Likewise, citing a later Fox News town hall with the family, Rochelle Sykes, speaking on behalf of the boys' throughout mother, who was also present, stated that he had been burned beyond recognition. She stated that she had to order dental records to identify that he was, in fact, Demetrius Griffin Jr. Due to the condition of the body, the boy did not have a funeral service. He was transported from the morgue directly to the burial. The family later held a memorial service. You know, it seems to me that all the facts matching up, why this would either be what gang-related to where they decide to burn all their bodies, all their victims' bodies, why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like an extra step. Burning the flesh is not necessarily going to hide bullet holes or stab wounds or any such thing. So I'm really kind of wondering why this isn't being investigated as a serial murder. Maybe it's because the clearance, the homicide clearance rate in Chicago is so bad that they don't want to put forth the effort of trying to find that. The murder rate in Chicago is disgusting, and apparently none of them are ever solved. As we're going to run to a quick commercial break, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Please stay tuned so we can continue with this tale of night's draft local true crime story. When we call the sea, the here to play. If you don't come play with us, then we will kill you. I will kill you. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. possible serial killer loose in Chicago metropolitan area. We will continue on with the story tonight 
see if we can come to some type of conclusion. Is there actually a serial killer out there? Is there something that we're missing, something the police are missing? seems to me there's a lot more going on here than just a ravaged gang running around Chicago, Illinois, killing people and lighting them on fire and leaving them in dumpsters or in huge 50-gallon drums. <clears throat> I don't get it, but let's continue with this story because I'm intrigued. Because of the nature of his remains, it is possible, a big possibility, that any defensive markings that may have arisen from a struggle were no longer discernible from the other damage of the body because no information regarding a toxicology report was quoted directly on record. It is unknown if Griffin could have been exposed to a substance and therefore rendered compliant. The Facebook blog Today in Horror History made a note that the coroner's office took over a month to determine the cause of the death. He had died as a result of the burns. For this reason, it is safe to assume that his remains could not have been Altered enough by fire damage, and the medical examiners would have great difficulty determining whether or not he had been compliant or unconscious and therefore offered no struggle to be seen or overheard. If the boy's murder fits the criminal pattern of the others on this list, then there may have been some instances of strangulation. Even partial, partial strangulation may have led to his being incapacitated. The lack of information regarding other potential injuries on Griffith's remains due to the degree at which he was burned to eliminate any facts surrounding that from the official record. If we infer the possibility, then we could group Griffin with the other murders on the list. The fact that no one came forward regarding the murder scene is also a bit odd. It could imply that other members of the community did not wish to be associated with the crime for not stepping forward. Yet, it is entirely possible that some means of incapacitating the teenager would have made the murder draw less attention to local neighbors. Likewise, even though Griffin clear indication based on the investigation's public record whether the fire was lit inside the 55-gallon barrel or whether he was partially burned and then disposed of in the 55-gallon barrel, this fact could alter the scene of his murder, thus distracting from potential witnesses or anyone, any eyewitnesses. It requires further statistical comparison based on the Federal Bureau of Investigation's behavioral analysis of crimes in the category to confirm or deny the validity of the inference. The site where Demetrius Griffiths Jr. was found and the site where Teresa Vaughn was found is an area of 23 minutes drive apart. It is also 23 minutes from the site where the second female victim was found in November of 2007. This implies a murder pattern spanning between 2007 and 2016, at least. The offender does not appear to be a sexual murderer, as there are no reports of sexual assault. That, however, may have been difficult to determine by the two cases. Likewise, the victims don't fit a gender pattern, as two are female and one is male. Yet at least one of these victims were small of bill, and they were all African-American, which could imply a preferential pattern for race and size. Moving forward into the murder of Lena Hamilton. Lena Hamilton was 37 years old at the time of her death. She was found dead in a trash can in the 2700 block of North Laramie Avenue. She differs from the pattern in that she was not known to have been on fire at the time. 
Her exact injuries were also not stated clearly on the record when NBC reported the story on May 20th, 2017. Hamilton's body was discovered in an area that is six minutes drive from where Demetrius Griffin Jr. was discovered in September of 2016. Note the Chicago Sun-Times and CBS Local reported that Hamilton was 33 at death. However, this may be incorrect. There are public records in the form of arrest records from one Kalina Hamilton in Chicago, who would have been 32 in 2012. If this was the same Hamilton, then the first recorded age of 37 at the time of her death in 2017 is factual. From other recorded arrest records, assuming this is the same Kalina Hamilton as the one who was found, we know that she was African-American. Citing Mugshot.com's description, Hamilton would have also been petite at 5'5". Size and race fit the victim pattern of the other murders. The murder of Rachel Catledge. In September 2019, almost precisely three years after the murder of Demetrius Griffin Jr., an unidentified female victim was found partially burned and strangulated in the 14,000 block of Atlantic Avenue in Riverdale, neighborhood of Chicago, citing CBS Local. The female was expected to have been missing as a missing persons case. The distance between the dump site of the woman murdered on Atlantic Avenue and the site where the body of Demetrius Griffin Jr. was found is an area of 35-minute drive time, citing Google satellite data. While it may not indicate a pattern, White Page lists no known residences of the 14,000 block of South Atlantic Avenue. Based upon satellite imagery, there is no residence on the street, which is flush with a wooded area. However, there are residential properties on the nearby corner of West 141th Street and the surrounding area. There, is, there are no listed residents in the immediate area, though no zoning information could be found to determine if these properties had been torn down, reconstructed, or evicted. The nearby 14014 South Atlantic Avenue apartments show at least two empty units, Unit 1 and Unit 2. Empty residences would possibly provide the right cover for isolation of the elaborate crime. The Riverdale murder victim was later identified as Rachel Catledge, age 34, at the time of her death. Rachel Catledge, like others on this list, was pregnant at the time of her murder, citing NBC Chicago on September 9, 2019. A person of interest was arrested in her murder. He was not officially charged with her murder. The man arrested was the father of Catledge's unborn child. Yet because no official charges were filed against him, it is unclear if the prosecutors knew with absolute certainty that he was one who, the one who victimized Catledge. The record states that Catledge was strangulated and then set on fire. He was not alive at the time of the fire. This would deviate from the death of Dimitri Griffin Jr., who was alive who was burned and was not officially reported to have been strangled. The area where Catledge's remains were found was a 20-minute drive from the area where Teresa Bunn's remains were found in 2017. The murder of a Park Forest woman in 1997 may shine some light on this. If one continues to observe a pattern, one finds the same criminal pattern dating all the way back to 1997, as reported by the Chicago Tribune. An 18-year-old Park Forest woman was found set ablaze in a plastic Black City issued garbage can in the 9,000 block of South Lula Avenue. 
The area was surrounded by single-family homes in 1987, between five foot one and five foot tall, five foot four tall. She was also a missing person at the time she was found dead. The police had been in contact with her family and stated that she had gone to visit friends when she never came home. Likewise, her pattern fits the victimology of the others she was clothed at the time of death and burned the unrecognition. Likewise, there was no arrest in her case, at least as of 1997. Where she differs from the pattern is that she was believed to have died of blunt force trauma to the head. It was unclear if the woman's body had had an accelerator used on it. The record stated that the garbage cans used by the city of Chicago in 1997 were petroleum-based and such were highly flammable. It's unclear if anyone was arrested in the murder post-1997 era. The area where the victim was found was 29 minutes drive from the area where Demetrius Griffith Jr. body was found nearly 20 years later. Are there possible patterns regarding the dumpster killer or serial killer X? If this is the same offender in most of the cases, save for the murder of Demetrius Griffin Jr. and older victims of the 51 strangulations are black girls noted, the victims have also aged in natural progression. The part for a woman was 18. If we assume that the same offender is choosing the victims and that he is choosing from a pool roughly his own age, then one could assume he was roughly 18 to 20 at the time of the part for murder. Ten years later, when 21-year-old Teresa Bunn was killed, that would make the potential killer 28 approximately. In 2017, Kalina Hamilton would have been 37. The same offender was choosing the victims. He would have age progressed to approximately 37 to 38 years at this date as well. In 2019, when Rachel Catledge, age 34, was killed, the same offender could be approximately 40 years old if he aged along with his victims, making him within the same six years of age as Catledge. We say he because it is statistically more likely, based on data from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, that the offender would be a male. That is the end of today's story. I want you to review it for yourself and decide if you think it's a serial killer, if you think Chicago, above all of the other crime problems they have, also now have a serial killer on the loose. You can find this information and more on telegraphlocal.com. In the top menu bar, just click on long form, or you can follow the link that we placed on the informational part of this podcast. Until next Friday, have a wonderful weekend.